I was reading this scripture in Revelation, and I guess it's, you know, you read something, but then some words stick out to you when you read it again and again, and sometimes you see something that, I guess you've, I've seen it before, but I've really never, I, I can't say that I've never, I've, I've paid attention, don't let me, don't take me wrong, but sometimes things will stand out to you in a different way. And this is in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. I'm just going to read part of it. It says, day and night, they never stop saying. And I want you to listen to the tenses. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And here it is. Who was and is and is to come. And that reminds me that he was, he was in the beginning. It was the Alpha and he is, he is right now, and he is to come, the, Ome- the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. It just reminds me that we have, we have a Jesus, we have a God that's, that's worthy, worthy, worthy of our worship to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And I just love the tent, the, the past the present and the future tense of that. And it reminds me that he was. And he is right now to us. And he is to come. It's glory, glory, holy, holy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Flashes 
awestruck wonder at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power, breath of living water, such a marvelous mystery. Jesus is alive, and I pray as we look into the scripture this morning, Ephesians chapter 3, that you will be in awestruck wonder at the promise that God has for us. Look in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3, as we continue to talk about amazingly able. We have a God who is amazingly able for everything that happens in this world and everything that happens in your life and mine, and so we've been looking at this for a couple of weeks now. We'll take another week and take a, a glance at this, or a good look at this, so take your Bibles. I hope you always have your Bibles with you, and uh, you can look at the verses above, behind. God may bring another verse to your attention. Uh, welcome to those of you who are joining us by Facebook Live. We hope that you are worshiping uh, right there where you're at. Hope you can be with us soon. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. The Bible says, Paul, uh, really kind of summing up what he's been talking about the first three chapters of Ephesians, says, now to him, that is to God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him, be glory in the church uh, uh, by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Everybody say amen. amen. Well, uh, are you ready to experience God's amazing ability in your life? That's the thing we're going to talk about today is experiencing, truly experiencing in your life and in our church's life, the amazingly able uh, God. I was reading a story uh, a while back about when Desert Storm was going on. Uh, Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. Uh, United States led around a 40-42 coalition of countries go to, to kick uh, Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait. And while they were there, you know, a lot of things going on, a lot of different things happening. And there was a Colonel William Post who was in charge of receiving all the supplies uh, for the United States Army and, and all the other armed forces that may have been at work there. But he was in charge of receiving supplies, millions and millions and millions of supplies coming in uh, every day. And... Um, he got a note from the Pentagon that said uh, 
you were supposed to receive 40 cases of grape jelly and they're missing and we need you to find it. And so he dispatched a soldier to try to find the missing grape jelly and then he went out and looked and he came back and he said, uh, we don't know where the grape jelly went, we can't find it. And so he reported to the Pentagon and uh, they reported back and said, well, we're trying to close the books and you need to find those 40 cases of grape jelly so we can close the books. And so um, he sent back and said, you know, we're at war over here and uh, we, you know, not able to do that right now. And then they ordered him, they ordered him, find the 40 cases of missing grape jelly. And um, Colonel William Post wrote back to them and said, Sirs, you must decide. I can dispatch the entire army to find your missing jelly, or I can kick Sodom out of Kuwait, but I can't do both. <laughs> and he never heard back from them again. Uh, pastor heard this story, and he was telling that story to the Georgia State uh, uh, representatives, you know, the Assembly of State Representatives of Georgia, and he was telling that story, and uh, when he finished, it just, he got nothing, blank stares, and uh, it just fell flat, and he thought he'd get some kind of response, and so a friend of his that kind of got him in to speak to the representatives, he asked his buddy, he's like, that just fell flat. <laughs> I really thought I'd get at least a smile, a giggle, a chuckle, or something like that. Uh, what went wrong? And his buddy, who was a representative, said, you don't understand. You're talking to a room of bureaucrats. They're still wondering where the great jelly went. <laughs> he said, as a matter of fact, when you left, somebody probably made a motion that we reopen the case to try to find the missing cases of grape jelly. Well, here's the thing. We can look for some things in life. In fact, this pastor said he took a jar of grape jelly after that and set it on his desk to remind him that there are some things in life worth pursuing and some things in life not worth pursuing. Now, look, I love grape jelly. It's one of my favorites. Just about, just about my favorite unless... It's homemade musky dime jelly or something like that. Now, you got homemade jelly is a lot better, but, but grape jelly is one of my favorites. But here's the thing. We can get caught up pursuing things in life that are really that important. We can get caught up going after, trying to find things that really aren't going to make a big difference. Or we can choose to pursue the God who loves us more than we can imagine and whose power is bigger than we can fathom. We can choose to experience this loving, amazingly able God or we can chase after every little thing that comes along, but we cannot do both. And so today I want to challenge us to really set our hearts to pursue this amazingly able God. Uh, so far in this series, I've talked about several things. One of the things I've talked about is that we need to believe that God is amazingly able. And I think most of us would say that, but we really need to live, talk as if we really believe that. We need to give him our that's and now's. We all have that. That thing right there, boy, went for that, I'd be doing really well. We need to give our that's and our now. Boy, one day I'm going to really give my life to Jesus. No, you need to give your today's that's and today's now's. And then last week we talked about turning to him constantly throughout the day. Constantly turning to him, saying, thank you, Lord, that you love me. Thank you, Lord, that you're amazingly able for what I'm dealing with uh, today. So look at the verse again. Look at the verse again. Now to him who is able. Everybody say who is able. 
who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You have to acknowledge that's a pretty outstanding promise. We have to acknowledge today at, at Hopewell that if you're uh, here in the building or if you're watching, and I really don't like that word watching, I hope you're worshiping uh, online, uh, that's an amazing thing to live in relationship, to live in the experience with the awareness that the amazingly able God is living inside of us and we want him to live inside of us in such a way that he gets glory and we live connected, not just Thinking, not just getting right answers, but really living, connected, experiencing God. John Avant said this, these two verses are in fact a guarantee that God has great plans for our lives. That he can deliver on those plans and that his intentions are far beyond anything we could accomplish or hope for on our own. That's why we keep turning to him, right? He's far more able. He's far more loving. So we just continue to turn, continue to turn, continue to turn. Why? So that we can experience him in our that's and in our now's this very day. In fact, the word for able is the Greek word dunamis. Uh, that sounds like what? Dynamite. Good. You're very perceptive. <laughs> dunamis sounds like dynamite. Or as Jimmy Walker said... Dynamite, yeah, there you go. You, you got dynamite, yeah. Yeah, he said this is explosive power. And it's not just an explosive power, it's a God who is explosive in power. I mean, what would our what would our attitudes be like? What our relationships be like? What would our perspectives be like? How would our speech change? How would our values change? How would our actions change if we live that conscious awareness, that conscious experience, that amazingly able God is living in me right now for his glory? Erwin McManus said it this way, the valuing of the education, the treatment of women, the care for the poor, the weak, the vulnerable, the personal responsibility for choices, all of these were elevated in Christian societies. And that's true. Anywhere the gospel is went, education, hospitals, the value of women, the, the idea that races can live together, all these things have been elevated in Christian societies. Of course, that's if we follow Jesus. Christians have also been responsible for some horrible atrocities in our world when we're Christians in name only and don't really sincerely follow Jesus. And so, what about us? What about us personally? I read, uh, I was reading a book by a girl, a lady named Angelie Pascal, and she's very, very honest in her book. And her book's about, uh, about staying awake to the presence of God. And Angelie wrote this, I want everything to be different, especially me. I'm tired of me. Tired of my same issues and problems and complaints. I'm tired of being the only one who can't seem to manage being a grown-up. Anybody relate? <laughs> I'm tired of my own inner dialogue. I exhaust myself. And we would all say amen to that at some point in our life, right? So how do we experience this, God? Let me talk about uh, three or four things real quick. First of all, we have to personalize this promise. We have to understand, believe it, 
for me. Believe this is what God's word to me. That God has this for me. And he wants me to experience him in my personal everyday walking around life. So remember the context. Remember the context. We talked about this a week or two ago. Uh, Paul doesn't just write this because it sounds like a good Bible verse. The context starts back in verse 14. I want to read it to you in the New Living Translation. New Living Translation says this. When I think of all of this, all the blessings of the God that he's talked about in Ephesians, fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, that sounds amazingly able, doesn't it? He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you, now he's praying, he's on his knees praying for, for these people. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. He's praying for them to understand. He said, I know you'll never understand it fully. It's beyond your, 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 my capability, your capability. But he says, I pray that, that you could grasp something of the love of God. Now, all the uh, pronouns in these verses are plural. So it's for the church. He's praying for the church. He's praying for, for Hopewell, for First Baptist, for whatever other church that there. He's praying for all churches to grasp the fullness of his love. Now, even though the words are plural and it's for the church, if it's going to be true of the church, it's got to be true of what? Us individually. That's right. And so what's true for the church is true for us. So Paul is praying, I pray that you personalize this, that God loves you not as you should be, but as you are because you'll never be as you should be. Right? He loves you that way right now. There's nothing you can do to make it better. Nothing you can do to diminish God's love. Personalize it. Believe it. Trust his love for you right now. I remember one time, Laura and I had a friend, some friends that were um, uh, both Christians, both loved Jesus. And um, uh, they decided, the wife decided really to leave her husband. And um, it was just tragic. I mean, these guys love Jesus, following Jesus, all in with Jesus. Now, nobody had, there's no one infidel, infidelity anywhere. But it was hard. I mean, the wife confided in Laura, and she told me, she's like, it's really, really hard. You know, he's, he's done some stuff, you know. And, um, and it's hard, it's difficult, and she's put up with a lot. And, but the thing that Laura kept saying to me is, but they promise for better or for worse. And this is the for worse part. And if you're going to do the for better part, I mean, you promised. And God promised to enable them. God, and they say they follow in Jesus. And so the, 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 this is the for worse time. And she tried to encourage them, this is for worse. Okay? Probably a better one day, but this is for worse. Now, when I heard Laura say that, what do you think that did in my heart? Yes. I got a wife who's in it for worse or for better. I got a wife who's committed to me. To, it didn't make me want to take her for granted. It didn't make me want to say, well, I just do whatever I want to. She promised to hang around. <laughs> you know, I could just live any way I want to live. And she promised to be here. And I could just do whatever I want to do and say, hey, for worse. 
<laughs> it's, not, it's not what it did for my heart. My heart wanted to love her even more. Why? Because she was willing to stick with me in the for worse days. Do you believe that God's promised you that? For better, for worse. You see, the mere fact that you are alive and in this worship service today means you've experienced God's love somehow or another, or you wouldn't have come. And maybe you don't believe in God. Maybe you just kind of happened to, to come by. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe your family's been kind of on your case a little bit. That is the love of God to you. Okay? That's God loving you. We don't know how many illnesses God's healed us from that we even never knew we had. We don't know how many things God protected us from this last week that we don't even know about. There may be things that God has done for you and I today that we are not even aware of. But he made it possible for us to get here. To hear what? To be practical and to say, God loves me right here in the here and now. I mean, the person to really experience that, not just to agree with the preacher, not just to say, I believe the Bible. I heard Priscilla Shire, I read where Priscilla Shire said, uh, she, her dad is Tony Evans, one of the most popular uh, influential pastors in America. And so she grew up as a preacher's kid, PPK. And she still goes to her dad's church. And so I think that's a great thing for any preacher's kids to just continue to go to their dad's church all through their life. <laughs> and she said that, you know, she was one year old when they started Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship, where, where her uh, dad is still the pastor. <laughs> and this is Priscilla, not me. Priscilla said... I know I drove my teachers absolutely bananas because I knew everything. <laughs> At least I thought I did. <laughs> every question, every, you know, every, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And she said my teachers would say, all right, does anybody besides Priscilla know the answer to this question? Anybody. <laughs> anybody besides Priscilla has something to contribute. And she said, I know if those teachers ever got together, I would have been voted most annoying Sunday school student <laughs> because I, knew, I just thought I knew everything. She said, but so often, watch this, you guys, especially you guys who've been in church a long time. She said, so often I had Bible information cataloged in my mind, but not real in my heart. And I, it took me a while, she said, to understand that this is not just something to learn. This was something that was true in my heart. I had to personalize it for me, John Avant tells a story about a time he brought his son Trey. Trey's the Alpo eating son, if you were here last week. He brought Trey on a, on a mission trip. And he said it's one of those mission trips that from the get-go, everything went wrong. I mean, somebody forgot their passport. And you know what happens if you forget your passport? You stay home. <laughs> so there was one person that had to stay home. And the flights were delayed. They had to spend a night in London. They weren't supposed to spend a night in London. And so just a thing after thing after thing got, 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 got whacked out of, you know, just, just was just hard. And he said they were getting ready to leave London. They got up that morning and, and his wife Donna had written some little notes for them to open every day while they were on their mission trip. And so that note they opened that day was Psalm 91. Their life first for Trey. When Trey was born, uh, the doctors weren't sure he was going to make it. She had to be rushed to an emergency C-section. And uh, she told John, she said, pray Psalm 91. The last thing she said before they put her under. And so he prayed Psalm 91. Obviously, Trey lived. And so they prayed that morning. And they, and they asked God, God, show us. God, show us 
what you're doing. Help us to experience you, Lord. Help us to personalize this promise. And they got in the elevator. When they got in the elevator to go down to, to meet the rest of the team, there was a, a, a tall man got on the elevator that they didn't know. And he said, to their amazement, he began to sing. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And John Avan said, you're singing Psalm 91. And the guy said, I am. And he walked off. Now that's personalizing it, right? Would you pray that way today? Would you pray that way? God, would you, uh, in my quiet time, I was talking about God gives good things. Would you ask God to personalize what you read, personalize his experience, personalize his spirit in your life? He said the odd thing was, when they got in the airport, they were just thrilled. They told the rest of their team what had happened to them, flew to Uganda. When they got to Uganda, they were getting ready to get off the plane. The same guy stood up in the front of the plane and said, may the blessings of God be on all you who do his will. Now, that's personalizing it, right? So let me go to the second point. Personalize. Somebody say amen. That's pretty good stuff. All right. Number two, proactive. You see, to, 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 to have it personalized and to see it personalized in your life, you've got to be proactive. We've got to go after it. They did their quiet time. Donna wrote them a letter. He read the letter to his son, Trey. They prayed and asked God to make it real in their life. Do you see? They're not just laying around saying, boy, I sure wish something cool like that would happen to me. They're proactive. They're pursuing the God of love. In fact, Avant said it this way. Life to the full, life of the capital L-R. But you can never know a fraction of life you have, he has for you, unless you actively explore the love of God. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So let me ask you something. How do you pursue God's love? You pursue God. You read his word. You pray specific prayers. You talk to people about Jesus. You make decisions based on his word. You do the things that you think are going to please him with your ears and eyes and heart open saying, God, I want to experience you. I was watching a prayer thing uh, not too long ago, and this lady said one of the things that she does uh, each day is that she takes her, or not each day, but a lot of times, she'll take her fists and she'll say, she'll clench them real tight, and she'll say, Lord, I want to control my future but I release it to you. Lord, I want to I make sure my kids are safe. I want to make sure my kids do that, but I release it to you. I want to make sure things go my way today, but I release it to you. It's releasing our life to the love of God and asking Him to work supernaturally. Would you really ask God to work supernaturally in and through your life? So here's your weekly growth suggestion. Ask God to work supernaturally. To bring life in real visible ways uh, in what you're reading in his word. Ask God to show you ways to engage in his love and his amazing ability. And once again, continue to memorize Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. You see, you can give up on the idea that God works in miracles. You can give up on the idea that God has amazing ability and that you will see it. It's easier sometimes to believe it's going to happen in somebody else's life than yours. But here's what I want to say, guys, in this series on amazingly able God. I want us to know him. I want us to experience him. I want, to get, I want us to pursue him with all that we have. You see, there are some years, some years, that we have, and some, and some of you have, when we sent off the Operation Christmas Child boxes, there's some years we've got notes back. And, uh, 
And they said, you know, well, they got a note back from a pastor one time. Got notes back from different people. But here's the thing. Some of you have gotten notes back. The only time we've gotten notes back is when we put a note in the box with our address on it. Put a note in the box. A lot of times we'll put our picture in there, put an envelope in there with our address on it. And sometimes, not every time, but sometimes when we do that, we get a letter back. The times we have not done that, we've never got a letter back. You've got to be proactive. You've got to go after it. I heard about one pastor. He said there was a young guy in his church named Zach. And he said, man, Zach was, was young, 9, 10, 11 years old. He said, man, Zach was on fire. He's on fire. And he would tell him, he said, Pastor, I'm going to be a preacher like you one day. I'm going to be, the name of their church was New Hope. I'm going to be a preacher uh, of New Hope one day. When, when you're out of here, I'm going to be the preacher of New Hope. He said, in fact, preacher, when you're dead, I'm going to be the pastor of New Hope. That's getting after it, amen. That's getting after it. You've got to be proactive. Go after whatever it is God puts before you. Go after it. A.W. Tozer writes, the average person in the world today without faith and without hope, is engaged in a personal, desperate search throughout his lifetime. Now, this, this is just so explains lost people. He does not really know where he has been. He doesn't really know what he's doing here, and now he doesn't know where he's going. And the sad commentary is he's doing it all on borrowed time and borrowed money and borrowed strength, and he already knows that in the end he will surely die. A third thing is we need some partners, right? We need partners. We need to personalize it. God wants this for me. Got to be proactive. We pursue God. We go after him. And then we need some partners. We do this together, right? It's easier to do together than apart. You see, if I go through a dry spell and I hear somebody else talking about something that God did in their life or an answer prayer they had in their life or a testimony where they shared their faith, something like that, the more I'm with people pursuing God, the more real God comes in my life, the more actively I can be pursuing him you see we all need people in our lives that are pursuing God's love and amazing ability we all need people in our life who are experiencing God's love and ability we all need people in our lives who are delighting in God's love and amazing ability we share these things and here's the thing the more we share the more real God becomes to us and I share with you a lot that I read. I share with you sometimes some, some of the things that happen in, in my life. But you want to tell you, to be honest with you, outside of my own family, the stories that encourage me the most about people experiencing God's love and His amazing ability are yours. Because they're our church family. They're here. I mean... I, I, the stories I share with you out of books and podcasts and stuff, I, I, you know, I try to use things that I believe. I use things that I, I have confidence in as people that have, been, have a long track record in ministry and things like that. Oh, man, I love you guys. I live with you guys. We're, we're, we're God's family here at Hopewell. I mean, we're not part of God's family worldwide, but this is really our family here. The more we share with each other here, the more encouraging it is for all of us. Not everybody's going to have a tremendous experience every day or every week or even every month, but some of us might. Open up, share. I love what Ann Voskamp said. Ann Voskamp, uh, when she was getting married, 
you know, she's beautifully decked. I got one wasn't there, but you can just imagine. She's the bride, all dressed in white and the veil and beautiful and everything's going good and it's all romantic, the music and, you know, all the people giving each other away and all that kind of stuff. And uh, she said in the middle of the sermon, in the middle of the, the, the marriage ceremony, the pastor said this, you are both going to disappoint each other. And I thought, why is he going this way with it? He says... And she said, why is he taking our ceremony? This, this, not, this is not part of it. He said, because you're both marrying a sinner. And you think you're marrying Prince Charming. And you are really marrying the undecidedly, undreamily frog. <laughs> you think it's Prince Charming, but it's not. So what do you need? You need a God of amazing ability to, watch, to see you through this thing, right? Last of all, it's patience. Last of all, it's patience. And by patience, I don't mean lazy. Uh, by patience, I don't mean, you know, you quit being proactive. By patience, I don't mean you just sit around and wait. By patience, I mean as you pursue God on the days that you don't experience His amazing ability, the days that you don't feel His amazing love, you keep going. You don't quit. You don't give up. I guess I could have put persistent instead of patient. It would have been probably a little bit better. And I would have, but it just occurred to me. <laughs> just right now. This word persistent. Let me, let me close with a story. Close with a story. Uh, a guy named Christopher Hall. Christopher Hall has been in ministry for years and years and years. Uh, he's been a chaplain at a mental hospital, pastor on staff at different ministries. He's in his 70s or 80s now. And just a week or so ago, I was reading a book that he'd written, and he talked about a time he was chaplain at a geriatric, for elderly people, a geriatric psychiatry hospital. And he said it was really hard. And he said there was one particular month, it was extremely difficult. He said, I was praying for my patients, I was counseling my patients, and it seemed like God was just ignoring just seemed like nothing. He said, all, at that point, all I wanted was out. Just wanted it to be done. I just wanted to leave that job. I, I know chaplains are supposed to feel better than that, he said, but I just, I just wanted it to be done. It was too hard. It was too many unanswered prayers. There's too much tragedy because these are elderly people. They have psychiatric problems. They're going to die, and they're not getting any better. And he said the sadness and grief was just almost overwhelming. And one day he was through for the day, he just closed it up. He just wanted to go home. And he got a phone call. And the phone call told him that one of their patients had just been admitted to the ICU. Her name was Rachel. So they said, um, look, Rachel's been admitted to the ICU. Would you mind going by and visiting with her? And he said, I'd love to. He said, I lied. He said, I want to be anywhere else. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be there. She was schizophrenic. It's just hard. But he said he went, and he said when he walked in the hospital, he said, God, you're not working here. You're not working here. You're not working anywhere that I can see. He said, I'm just, it's just as discouraged. He said, my pray, hey, this is his prayer. He said, my prayer is, God, you're not working. You don't care. I want out of this job. He walked in where Rachel was, um, had her hands tied because she kept pulling her IVs out. They had about this much leeway with her. She could move her hands a little, but they were tied where she couldn't get to her IVs. Eyes, she, he said, wide open, like horror, pain, scared to death. Looked at the vital signs, he could tell she's dying. 
And so he walked in and he sat down on the edge of her bed and he said, Rachel, um, uh, she had a respirator in so she couldn't talk, couldn't, couldn't breathe on her own. And so he sat on the edge of her bed and he said, Rachel, can I pray for you? And, and she nodded her head, yes. And uh, he said, he said, he said, I'm a chaplain, not a doctor. I'm not, I can't help her. And said he sat down on the edge of the bed and he prayed, you know, just a real short prayer. He said, Lord, please help Rachel in her time of need. Touch her body, touch her spirit, relieve her suffering. Be with her through the night. Amen. He said it was just a short, faithless, sad prayer of a discouraged chaplain. And he said, I turned to leave and Rachel grabbed the sleeve. She had just enough to where she could grab his sleeve. She grabbed his sleeve and she motioned she wanted to write something. It's the only way she could communicate. So he found a pencil, found a clipboard and handed it to her and she began to scribble on it and he said, I'm getting chewed out by a schizophrenic dying lady in the hospital. She knows, she sees through me. She sees how fake I am. She sees how discouraged I am. She sees how faithless I am. She knows I went in here and I've done the bare minimum. I've sat down, said three or four sentences in a prayer and I'm leaving, I'm out of here. And when Rachel finished writing, she had written five sentences. Five sentences. The first one said, I love my Jesus. I love my Jesus. The second one said, thanks for the visit. He said, boy, if she knew my heart, she wouldn't have been thanking me. The third one, this is a schizophrenic lady who's dying, an elderly lady who's dying. Her third sentence wrote, your Jesus loves you too. He said, that line broke my heart. It just broke my heart. And he said, all of a sudden, in that room, there was a very real, tangible sense of the presence of God. I'm getting goosebumps right now talking about it. He said it was so real. He said, I turned around to look. I thought somebody had come in the room. It was so real to me. He said, Jesus had lovingly borrowed the mind and body of a dying schizophrenic to remind me, I am working in this hospital, I am working in your life, and I am working through your life to touch other people. And he said he reminded me that he loved Rachel and that Rachel was going to be fine. The fourth line she wrote, I'm blessed. He thought, blessed? You're blessed? You look so frightened. He said her eyes were like in horror. You look so frightened. You look so afraid. You look so much in despair. And she wrote, I'm blessed. He said, I wanted to say, don't you know you're dying? And he said, the last line she wrote was, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. And this is what Christopher wrote. Jesus' message to me through Rachel seemed to be this. Thank me, Chris, for the things you don't understand. Thank me for forgiveness of sins. Thank me for the beauty of my creation. Thank me for all the gifts I sprinkled through your life, your family, your friends, your calling, your health, and the times I speak clearly to you. Last sentence, listen to me, guys. He said, I felt like the Lord would say, but please stop trying to figure out matters I have not chosen to explain to you. Just trust me. Would you stand please with heads bowed and eyes closed? With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. 
my heart has been this week, as I've been praying over this, that we would experience a love that we cannot know. It's past our knowledge. And truly experience the tangible presence of God, an amazingly able God, right here, right now, today, with each other. As your pastor, it's my heart for you. It's my heart for me and for my personal family, for my church family. I want us to see and know God. Maybe you sensed it a minute ago. The presence of God in this place. Father, I pray for each of us, where no matter what's going on in our lives, to experience you today. Not just know about you, God. Not just agree with what the Bible says. Not just agree with what the preacher said. Not just think of some cool stories he told. But Lord, that we would experience your love and power in us to your glory. If you've never been saved, this God invites you to repent of your sins, turn away from your sins, and trust in Jesus. Give your heart and life over to Christ. If you're a Christian walking with God, maybe it's time that you renewed personalizing God's Word to you, personalizing your walk with God, proactive and pursuing, finding two or three friends that can do this with you. And then trust them. Be persistent. Don't quit. Don't give up. Father, bless. Speak right now in this place. As Lisa begins to play softly, if you want to come kneel at this altar, feel free to come kneel at the altar. If you want me to pray with you, I'll be glad to pray with you. Allow God to speak to you right now.